welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, there's one more thing we got to do. We got to take some flu shots. Y'all want to help me? Y'all come up here and help us. Come on, let's give our founding pastors a hand. Welcome home. Declare it over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, God sent his word to heal us. And we are covered by that healing. COVID-19 or any other sickness or flu will not attach to us. We are the redeemed. And this morning is just an opportunity to just declare our faith, get in agreement with God's word. You know, we're never wrong when we agree with God's word. Never wrong. We've done this as a, a family for, what, 35, 40 years? And uh, at least 40 years. And uh, it just became a tradition in our home. And then we found this church here. We began to do it in church. It's amazing how many people we've talked to in those 40-some-odd years or 20-some-odd years in this church that hasn't had the flu bug. And so I... I I believe in prayer. I believe in, I believe in the word. I believe the word works today, and you just got to receive it. You know, uh, you got to receive the word. And yes, you may have a symptom. I've had symptoms. I, in fact, I preached uh, at camp meeting. I had every symptom of fluids you could have, and I got up here and preached the first night and or second night, and all the symptoms left because they had no legal right. I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care if it's the Asian flu, the bird flu, the who what flu. It has no legal right being you because Jesus defeated it 2,000 years ago. All sickness and all disease is under your feet, but you must keep it under your feet. If symptoms arise, you may get a symptom and go home today. You got to say, well, I got injected today by the Word of God, and the Word of God is more powerful than any sickness or bug or disease or COVID or cancer or anything. Amen? So let, let's just agree together. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name. We thank you that the Word says that you are the Word. The Word says you were in the beginning. The Word says you're the Father. The Word says you became flesh. And the Word says you sent your Word, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, to heal, deliver, save us, forgive us, atone for our sins and our sicknesses in Jesus' name. So, Father God, we receive your word today into our bodies as immunity against every virus, every cold, every sinusitis, every COVID, every whatever comes along, God. We receive your word to be our immunity against it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Your body is strong to fight virus, infection, disease of any kind. Amen. Well, why don't you find somebody this morning, shake their hand, give them a high five, elbow them. Say, are you re ask them, are you ready to receive from the Lord today? Praise the Lord. It's 11.15. They don't play the Jets till 2.30. How many of y'all know the Lord is in this place? Amen. Well, truly... Who is happy to be in the house of the Lord? I know I am. Amen. Ezekiel, if you have your Bibles, open them to Ezekiel chapter 9. If you haven't been here, we have been looking at a particular topic here on being a marked people. 
And I believe it's for such a time as this. I asked for a handheld in uh, the podium today because I am teaching to myself. If you've ever been through the book of Ephesians, you see the gifts that God gives. He gives the gift of the apostle. How many of y'all thankful for the apostle? How many of y'all thankful for the prophet that points? All right, going through this, I'm not uh, meaning any gestures of any kind, but we got the apostle, we got the prophet, we got the evangelist. He offends and he corrects and then he leaves town and leaves it to the pastor. Amen. And uh, he is married to the church and he loves you. And I can say this as your pastor. I love each and every one of you. But then we have the teacher and he is small enough to get right in that place in your ear that the big finger can't get into. Amen. And so I believe today that uh, I'm going to preach a little bit, but I'm going to teach mostly because this is a topic that I've said to the Lord, I want to get out of the way, and I want you to do what you can do in the hearts of people this morning. Amen? And so uh, being a marked people, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 that you were sealed, or you were marked, or cowboys would say you were branded in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. And... In Ezekiel chapter 9, he says this in verse 4. He said, The Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, throughout all of Jerusalem, and put a mark. Everybody say mark. On the foreheads of the men who sigh and grieve over all the repulsive acts which are being committed in it. God, I just pray that there would be the same spirit in me as it's in you, Lord, to, to grieve over. How many of y'all know there's repulsive acts that are happening all over the world and in this nation today. And he said, I'm going to put a mark on people that grieve over those things. He said in verse 6, Utterly slay old men, young men, maidens, little children and women, but do not touch or go near anyone on whom is the mark. And when you're a marked people, I'll just give you some good news before I cut, cut down the tree today. When you're a marked people, the Bible says, uh, the, if you keep going in the book of Ezekiel, the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 22, he's still looking throughout the whole earth, looking for one man who would build the gap, who would bridge the gap. But he, these marked people, the Bible says this in 36, and this is a time of wickedness is on the earth, but this is what the marked people get in verse 24. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my ordinance and do them. Verse 28. You will live in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you will be my people and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for you the grain and make it abundant. And will not bring famine on you. Look at this verse 30. I will multiply. I will multiply. How many of y'all want to be a marked people this morning? He said, I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field so that you will not suffer again the disgrace of famine among the nations. How many of y'all know as a marked people, he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you haven't been here, uh, we've been studying this mark, being a marked people. 
over the last couple of weeks. And so in, in Jeremiah chapter 36, there's a, uh, the prophet Jeremiah is prophesying that there is judgment that's coming to the nation of Israel. And it's not doing it because, how I many of y'all know the Lord loves us? Let me say it again. How many of y'all know the Lord loves us? And he's gracious to us and merciful to us. But there's a reason uh, for us walking in those things is because we keep his commandments and live by his principles. And so in, in, in Jeremiah 36, he said, write it down on a scroll and go before the king. And he goes before the king and he tells him, if you don't begin to live by your forefathers and by the teaching commandments of the word of the Lord, I'm going to take all of this away from you. And there's a king that's coming from the north, and he will have you exiled for 70 years. And the king doesn't want to accept it. In fact, he throws the scroll in, in, inside of a fire. And, and uh, so the Bible tells us the first wave of these believers or these Christians is the book of Daniel. And Daniel comes, and, and, or, or Dan, that he comes down into Israel and takes them back, back up to Babylon. And the Bible says this, that he changed their name. The enemy has no new tricks. It's such a, it's such a slap in the face to the God of our ancestors and, and the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we serve. The Bible tells us in Daniel 1.1, even the, even the artifacts, he takes them down. And it's a slap in the face of them. But these boys were raised in the admonition of the Lord. And they wanted to stick to what is right and true. How many of y'all know the Bible might be old, but it's still right? Right? And so he... he they bring him into this Babylon city, and he says, you got to eat my food, you got to drink my drink, you got to read my books, and also, too, I'm going to change your name, uh, Daniel, to Belteshazzar. I'm going to change your name, uh, your, uh, Uzziah, and all those names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, we live in a world that the enemy has no new tricks. The first thing that he tries to do in a culture is he tries to change the identity. From the beginning of time, this whole new thing, I identify as he, her, she, him, billy goat, unicorn, they, them. This is nothing new to the Lord. And that's what the culture tries to do is it tries to come in. And, and, and also, too, he says this, you, you can't eat like that. You can't drink like that. You have to read these books. They'll try to also manipulate your morals and your standards. And then he said, I'm going to test you, and I'm going to test you for 10 days. And Daniel, what's amazing about all of this is we're a marked people. We see that he never caves to any of it. You know, I just, I don't, honestly, I don't want to be right. I just want to do what works. Amen? And the Word of God works. And there's a mark that's on Daniel's life, but there's something that I want to point out, and if you haven't listened to the message, you can go back and listen to those because I believe every one of them are very valid because we've gone through the book of Daniel, and we see not one time did he bend to culture. Not one time did he conform to the world. Not one time did he give in, and he did it in such grace and such truth. But from the very beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3, talking about the enemy having no new tricks, when, when Adam and Eve are in the garden, and the serpent, the snake... Satan, the devil, what's the first thing that he said to him? He says, did God really say? We've been questioning things of God. And can I tell you, I want to tell you today that uh, Babylon is not just a location, but it's a mentality. In fact, in that mentality, if I was to break it down, it's, it, it would be this. I'm all about you, and you need to be all about you too. 
Toby Keith wrote a song years ago with the spirit of Babylon. I don't talk about you, you, you usually, but occasionally I always talk about me. Also in the spirit of Babylon, it's, it's God, God is all about himself. See, Babylon is not just a locality, but it's a mentality. In Genesis chapter 11, you can go with me if you'd like. We're going to come back to, to Daniel chapter 4, but we'll also have it on the screen. But where Babylon is first introduced to us, it tells us in Genesis 11.4, and I won't share with you the whole message of what's going on here, but it says in verse 4, Come, this is the spirit of Babylon, Come, let us build a city for ourselves. For ourselves, for us. And a tower whose top will reach into the heavens, and let us, let me, let I, make a name for myself, ourselves. So that we will not be scattered and be dispersed over the surface of the entire earth. Now we see in verse 9 it says, Therefore the name of the city was Babel because the Lord confused the language of the entire earth. Can I tell you there's a spirit of Babylon in the earth today? You know how I can tell you there's a spirit of Babylon? Because there is confusion in the hearts of young people and people across the world. Can I tell you, I know that there is confusion because mental illness and, and people on antidepressants is bigger than it's ever been, ever. Self-talk, Dr. Phil, Oprah Winfrey, people reading books on trying to encourage themselves. And I'm not against those types of things, but I'm telling you, there is power in the Spirit of God. And there's people, I'm telling you, I met someone the other day, and I promise you I did it with love and grace, did not stick, stick my finger in their face, but uh, I was at a gas station, and I came, I, we, we just sparked it up, you know, I was at the gas station talking, and uh, the guy that she was with, he said, hey, you're a pastor at Arena of Life Church. Well, she found out that I was a pastor, and she began to tell me her story, that she was a woman that takes testosterone to become a man and dresses drag back to a woman. How many of you know you're confused? I couldn't even figure it out either. It's like my family tree. If I try to explain to you of all the cousins that are married in my family, you will get confused too, I promise you. All right? Hillbilly deluxe, slick pickup trucks. Big timing in a small town, all right? But it's confusion. The spirit of Babylon is confusion. In fact, when you read the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28, when he talks about when you heed and live by the principles and teachings of the word of God, all the blessings of Abraham now become yours. But he also says this, when you don't live by those things, there's a curse that comes over you and your household. And one of the things that comes with a curse is a confused mind. So at the very beginning of time, the Lord has shown us that there is a spirit of Babylon that is in the earth today. The book of Corinthians tells us that the God of this age has uh, blinded the minds of the unbeliever. Now you go to the end of the book in Revelation. It talks about it in Revelation 17 when this is the, during the great tribulation. Because you might say, well, pastor, if the Lord really cares about these things and knows that there's a spirit of Babylon on the earth, why doesn't he take care of it? He's going to. So you better have our hearts right. And it talks about in the great tribulation that the Antichrist actually gets in bed with or partners up with in verse 5 of 17.5, Revelation 17.5. And on her forehead name was written a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. 
Can I tell you this spirit of pride is at the top of the list of sin in people's life. In fact, the book of 1 John, when he talks about the things of this world, what does he say? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There's one more, and it's found in the middle of your Bible, and it's in Isaiah chapter 46 and 47, sorry, in verse 8. It says, Now then, hear this, you who live a luxuriant life. You who dwell safely and securely, who say in your heart, mind, I am the queen and there is no one besides me. I shall not sit as a widow nor know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to you abruptly in one day. Loss of children and widowhood, they will come on you in full measure in spite of your many claims of power through your sorceries. In spite of the great power of your enchantments. For you, Babylon, have trusted And felt confident in your wickedness. And you have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom, your knowledge have led you astray. And you have said in your heart, mind, I am and there is no one besides me. This morning, as I'm talking about Babylon, what Babylon, the spirit of Babylon does in people's life is it magnifies you and it lessens God. And can I tell you right now, I can say this with all confidence, that the enemy has all his poker chips on the table wagering the farm against you and your household that this mentality will be in you right now and that you will want to do what you want. He doesn't care that you come to church on a Sunday morning. What he cares about is that Sunday afternoon and all the way through Saturday night that he can have a grip on you because he knows if he can have you six out of the seven, eventually he will have you all seven. It creeps in. I I will serve God, but also there's some things in my life that I want to do. And can I tell you, this is a mentality that's in the earth today. And I want to be very careful how I share this because my heart is for you to receive today the word because we live in a world that celebrates a word called pride. Pride. In fact, I remember the first time that I saw it on social media, people posting, it's Pride Month. I remember thinking to myself, of all things, they picked a rainbow. That absolutely makes, that's a confused mind right there. A rainbow and pride, pride is all about you. We have rainbows because it was all about God and him saving us and him restoring us. We live in a culture today where we celebrate something that I was raised as a kid. First pride comes, then a fall comes. I was raised as a kid knowing this, that uh, what is the old King James? Only by pride comes contention. Only by pride comes strife. You don't believe me? Look at the shooting last year in Tennessee at the the, uh, Christian school. Where a confused mind of a girl that thinks she's a boy and a Christian school that, that told her, was honest with her through grace and truth. Do you think only by pride comes contention and strife? Through strife she goes, do you think it's by love? And love covers all and rainbows that she went in with an AR-15 and started killing children? No. That's confusion. 
And it's something, if you're not careful, it'll creep into your life and in your home and in your mentality and your business overnight. God has to always be at the throne of your life and everything. I could go on more and more, but we live in a society and in a world today that pride is celebrated. And can I tell you, when pride is involved, it never ends well. Never. Hear me out, world. I say this with all grace and truth. This is a warning. But when pride's involved, it never ends good. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Are you ready? I said all that to say this. Nebuchadnezzar, so you know the end of the story of chapter 3. He throws, turn it up seven times harder. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he throws them into the fire. He looks in there and sees a fourth man in the fire. There's another in the fire. Come on, I hope that this week you realize that you have teamed up with the Spirit of God. Amen? This world may get hot, but I'm telling you, the fire that's burning on the inside of me burns hotter than the furnace that's ahead of me. So in verse 1, it says Nebuchadnezzar, so he realizes it. In fact, he says in verse 30, the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the people's nations and speakers of, of every language that live on the earth, may your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. See, when pride is not involved, we see the actual work and hand of God in your life. It says, how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. How many of y'all know this is a man that's talking like he spent time with God, that he surrendered to the will of God? Now we get to verse 4. Because he's done these things, he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and prospering in my palace. What you're about to see is what I see in church folk forever. Sure, Pastor, you, you could testify to this. We got men and women of God that's been in the ministry for a long time. What you're about to see is a system that I see in people. That there's something in your life like a furnace that happens and you see the fourth man in the fire and you pursue after the Lord. And then you become blessed. And then you think that blessing come from what you did and you forget about God and you put him on the back burner. There's people that should be in the house of God today and the reason that they're not here is because their pocketbooks are full and everything, their health is good. But when they get the phone call or something happens in their life, they get right back in because they know the only one who can fix it is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So Nebuchadnezzar right here, he is prospering. How many of y'all know, it may not be in finances, and I'm not going to be that prosperity guy, but I'll tell you, in your life, things go kosher when you serve the Lord. I'm not saying you don't have battles. I'm not saying that you don't fight devils with new levels. Come devil, I, I do know all of those things, but I'm, I'm just saying that he's being blessed, and it's because the hand of God is upon him. But it doesn't mean that the enemy... Is still not killing, stealing, and destroying. It says in verse 5, I saw a dream and it made me afraid in the fantasies and thoughts of the, uh, of the visions that appeared in my mind as I, lay on, as I lay on my bed kept alarming me. So he has, this, he has this vision or he has this dream. 
And it's this dream about this tree that's really big. And if you're at the top of this tree, you can look across all the nation or all the kingdom and see every part of it. Everybody can see this tree. And from the top, you can see everything else. The birds of the air like to play inside of it. It produces fruit that the animals can eat on the bottom of it. There's animals that are resting in it. And what he sees is this watcher. And he comes down and he cuts down the tree. And he leaves nothing but a stump with some roots. And he said there's a time there uh, a, a time there that he is this stump. And it's for seven years. And so he, he doesn't understand the dream. So once again he calls for the enchanters. And he calls for the Chaldeans. And he calls for these people to interpret the dream. But he realizes that they can't do it. So he calls on Daniel. And so Daniel shows up on the scene. He hears what's going on. And he, he begins to hear from God. And it says in verse 19, I love this. It said, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was appalled and speechless for a while. What I love about this, because God begins to tell him about this particular tree, that he's going to have to tell Nebuchadnezzar, the tree is you, big boy. And I'm sure there's something inside of Daniel that wants to go, I told you, nana nana boo boo, you should have listened to me the first time, you moron. But as I read this, I said, Lord, put a tenderness on the inside of me to not just release it just because of what my flesh wants to do, but may I be led by the Spirit of God because people don't care. What kind of plaques you have on the wall? What kind of certificates you got from a college? What kind of eschatology, theology, any of those things? What they care is about Jesus that's on the inside of you. And whether or not you have the door to connect with him is who is in you, not who you are. Look, think about Zacchaeus. I preached this in youth for years to our, to our congregation, to our for, um, people. If you read the story of Zacchaeus, before he corrected he first connected. And in this particular story right here, I see the tenderness. And Can we just all pray, Lord, give me a grace. Give me a mercy. May your spirit be on my lips as I speak to the lost. And he says, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream of it or its interpretation frighten you, Belteshazzar answered. My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its message for your enemies. So he goes to verse 2. He says, it's you, O king, who have become great and grow strong. Your greatness has increased and it reaches to heavens and your dominions and to the ends of the earth. Verse 25, it says that you shall be driven out from mankind and your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field. He said, so what's going to happen is, is the tree's going to be cut down. You are the tree and it's going to be cut down. He says, Verse 25, so that you shall be driven from mankind and your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field and that you be given grass to eat like the cattle and be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the most high God rules over the kingdom of mankind and he bestows it to whomever he desires. Verse 26, and in that was commanded to leave the stump with its roots on the tree. Your kingdom shall be restored to you after you recognize that heaven rules. Oh, man, as I read this, I said, thank you, Jesus, for the mercy and grace of God. 
Because there may be times in a business you might go bankrupt. There might be a marriage that's been cut down in your past, but God always leaves a stump with some roots in the ground. Behold, the root of David, come on, Jesus, that there's always a place of mercy that God says, I'm not finished with you, but I've got to be on the throne in order for you to grow. I could preach a little more on that, but I'm going to stay on task. It says in verse 28, it says, all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king, so he gives him a warning. And see, this is the problem with people that are in pride. You can warn them all you want to, but they can't see past their nose to receive it. Twelve months later, he was walking on the upper room of the royal palace of Babylon. The king said thoughtfully, is this not the business that I built for myself? Is this not the family that I did? Is this not the work of my hand? He said, is this not the great Babylon which I myself have built as the royal residence and seat of government by the might and power for the future honor and glory of my, 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 my majesty? You know, at this particular time, this was an ancient wonder of the world. Babylon, you study history of it in pictures that they try to portrait of, of, of this was before our time today, but he actually had wisdom to build an irrigation system where they could put these vines even up on the top of buildings. It was beautiful. Everybody that went, it was amazing. But he said, this is what I did. Can I tell you, get ready for a fall. Even if you're in a ministry or in a business, that you have this mentality in your mind. You may have said it to your husband or you said it to your wife. This place couldn't make it without me. This is for all of us to hear. The husband, if you're saying this family wouldn't make it without me, no, that family wouldn't make it without God. Get ready. It's like the man who stood out there with his boy at a funeral and they looked at all these graves. You see all these dead people, somebody replaced them and you are replaceable too. I'm going to stand behind the pulpit. It says, while the words were still in the, in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared the kingdom has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be the animals with the animals of the field. You will be given grass to eat like the cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you know. He was warned of this. That the most high God rules over the kingdom of mankind and he bestows it on whomever he desires. Immediately, the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from mankind and he began eating grass like cattle. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. How many of y'all know, I read a commentary that said, well, he's just talking about the insanity that overcame him. There's another commentary I read, no, he actually did these things. Either way, this joker is not good. Right? It's like years ago when the guy ate the bath salts. He's eating bath salts. He is not okay. My whole point is this. If you're not careful and pride is evident in your life, there is a peril that come from that. I don't care how big you are. And as, as this week, I just begin to write some things down. 
And those of you that have came on a Wednesday night during Bible school, I have to write some things down so I don't get off course and preach. But I want to teach for a minute because I, I want this to come from my heart. And I want you to receive the word of the Lord today. But I believe this is for each and every one of us. And, and where God directed me was in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because Moses began giving a warning to the congregation of Israel concerning the peril of pride and the dangers that come with arrogance in your life. And like I said, if you're arrogant, the only person that doesn't know it is you. But open your heart this morning. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, I want to read it out of the New American Standard. It says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You know what I've noticed is when the economy is booming, the tendency is to forget the Lord rather than to thank Him. People say, well, I've been pretty smart in my entrepreneurship. I'm a careful businessman. I've handled my money well. And look what all I, I, I have accomplished. My business is great. My bank account is growing. My car is new. My house is big. It's nice. It's grand. But yet we're too wise, too sophisticated to say this with our lips. But in our hearts, we're thinking this. I've done all right. In this text right here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses would say, beware. The possessions we have, the gold, the silver, the portfolio, the house, the car, are all due to God's grace exclusively. What you have, what I enjoy, what we possess is a gift from God to you and me not, and me not because of who we are, but in spite of us. But I've worked so hard. Wait a minute. Who gave you the energy to work hard? Who gave you the ability to be wise? How many of y'all know sometimes we forget? Sometimes we say in our heart, well, I'm, I'm just smart. I'm pretty sharp. But it's nothing more than arrogance. Pride creeps in during times of prosperity. And pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. Everything we have and all that we enjoy is solely because of God's grace, his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor over our life. So in Deuteronomy, fast forward 9 and verse 4, it says, Do not say in your heart when the Lord your God has driven them out before you because of my righteousness. The Lord has brought me in to possess this land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is dispossessing them before you. Why did God bring you and me into the promised land of his kingdom? Was it because he saw we would want to be righteous? No. Like the children of Israel, we were stiff-necked and rebellious from the beginning of time. He did so because of the wickedness of our enemies ahead of us. We have an enemy who from before time began has questioned the goodness and kindness and mercy and grace of God. Can't you eat of that tree, Eve? Satan hissed in his ear as the snake. God knows that in that day you eat of it, you'll become godly. In other words, God is not as good as you think he is. He's holding something back from you, Eve. He knows that if you eat that tree, that it would be wonderful for you. And he doesn't want you to have good things. Satan not only challenged the goodness of the Father in the garden, but in heaven, of course, Job 
he said, of course, Job serves you. He said to God, you've blessed him. But in those blessings weren't, weren't there, he would turn his back on you. In Psalm 37, or 73 and verse 1, it says God is good. But on the other shoulder, we have Satan always whispering in our ear, no, he's not. So God says, I will prove my goodness and grace by bringing stiff-necked people like those at Arena of Life Church into my kingdom. By showering rebellious people like Travis Bennett with blessing. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, get ready to shout. It said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intentions of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Hey, I had to wake up last night and see the final game of the Colorado CSU game because I'm a big fan of Coach Prime. And as he's running along the sidelines, they said to him, when you run by yourself, you call it a race. But when you get God involved in everything that you do, you call it grace. Amen. Go Coach Prime. So right here in Ephesians chapter 1, we see Paul says we were elected and redeemed not because God saw we were good, sincere people who wanted to be spiritual, but in order that angels and demons alike would marvel, saying, look how gracious God is to bless a guy and gal like you. Whether you're prospering materially or moving into the promised land of the kingdom and enjoying blessings spiritually, don't think it's because of your righteousness. The greatest danger to the children of Israel would not be the persecution of the battle on the promised land, to the promised land. The greatest danger would occur when things were going well because it would be then that they would forget the Lord. How do you know when you've forgotten the Lord? It's quite simple. Yeah, no longer you have time for him. After all, there are hobbies. There are lakes, there are vacations to take, there's money to spend. In times of persecution, people don't forget God, they gather together. They pray with passion. Their roots sink deep into the soil of the scriptures, but in times of prosperity, people have toys to play with, places to go, hobbies to pursue, and although they don't admit it, they forget about God. I answered the question this week, as we do every year, where were you? I think Alan Jackson started with the song, where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? September 11th. I remember where I was. I was in Waxahachie, Texas at Southwestern Assembly of God University. I remember the hall that I was in, and I remember the dean of the class coming in, in that Old Testament class that I was in, and he said, terrorists have come on human soil. They've already hit uh, one of the World Trade Center. Stuff's going on at the Pentagon. We're all gathering together to go to chapel and pray. I remember going to my room. I remember going up there, and, and my good friend, Ben Crystal, he was in the shower, and I said, hey, you got to come see this. And he, and, and he gets dressed and, and comes in. We turn on the TV, and the second plane hits the World Trade Center. I remember just being shocked, right? I go, we go to chapel, kids on their face. There's 3,000 of us. We begin to pray, we begin to worship and seek the Lord. But this was my biggest amazement that time. I played for Oaks Assembly of God 
just uh, a rope at a little church, at a little town up the road, played bass for them. And it was a good-sized church, like 900 people on a Sunday morning. It's a good, good Assembly of God church at this particular time. And uh, I remember being, we practiced that morning, being uh, back there. They called the green room. We were back there. We prayed together. And the guitar player said to me, he said, Travis, have you seen outside? I said, no. The first service, the 9 o'clock, there was not one seat available in the house. The second service, people were standing all around. Why? Because the enemy had came in. Can I tell you? The enemy's here now. And the house of God ought to be full. And there's a reason that it's not. It's because pride is winning in people's lives. Statistics confirm that people forget the Lord in time of prosperity, not only by withdrawing from the body, but by falling to give sacrificially. Ironically, people give much more generously in times of difficulty than in times of prosperity. In times of prosperity, they say, I can't tithe because I bought the second four-wheeler, some newer car, and I'm overextended. Failing to remember that it was God who gave them the ability to do what they do to bless them with every single thing that they have. If we truly believe that God has blessed us, we'll say, this is not my wealth, it's God's. So in giving my tithe, I recognize that what, what came my way this week is not because of my cleverness or my ability, but because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come on. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I can come boldly. Before the throne of grace. Because God loves to help sinners like me and you. And as I do, I bow my knee in humility. Humbled by, by how God has been to me. And even though I'm stiff-necked and rebellious, I raise my hands in appreciation and raise my head in expectation. Not because of my worthiness, but solely because of his grace over my life. When you have eaten and are full, bless the Lord and beware of pride. Moses cautioned the people and he would say... The same thing to us today. God wants us to be those who come before his throne of grace and expect to be blessed. Not because of who we are, because of, but because of who he is. That's my teaching moment. So there's a peril of pride. How many of y'all know sanity needs to be restored in the world today? So I, I believe that there's something in the text right here. He comes back to God. And there's something in this that I believe all of us that, 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 that we should leave here saying, you know what, if it's crept into my life, there's some things that I ought to do. It says in verse 34, But at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my understanding and reason returned to me. If you have an NIV, maybe an NLT, it says this, my sanity was restored. Mm. It says, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Are you seeing the cycle of life right here? He's in need. He got the Lord. He got so blessed, he forgot about Him. How many of y'all know we need to praise God in the good times and the bad? So now it's good. He says, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. 
See, the same revelation he had in the beginning of the chapter, he's now getting it again because he had taken the focus off of him and now put it back on God. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are regarded as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now, at the same time, my reason returned to me. My sanity was restored. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor were returned to me. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. You know when I read this, God doesn't put him back into his kingdom as a peasant. He's the king of our kingdom, but also he said that you are a royal priesthood. I was reestablished in my kingdom and still more generations was added to me. Pay attention. This is where we're going to get our method to the madness. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are true and faithful and his ways are just. And he is able to humiliate and humble those who walk in pride. Here's the system right here. Number one. We've always got to do this. Number one, we've got to praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. And there's a word that stands out to me the most right here, and it's not praise and it's not exalt and it's not honor. The word that stands out to me the most in this particular text is king. Everybody say king. We don't fully understand this as Americans because we don't have a king, we have a democracy. Where your vote counts, or used to. Can we be honest? Jesus help us. But we have a democracy where your opinion matters. Can I tell you, when you live in a kingdom, the only opinion that matters is what the king says. You praise, you exalt, you honor the king. This keeps your heart from pride. Because now, if you're going to be a person of faith, which God's called us to be. You've got to believe every single thing it says in the word. Because that's making him the king. It's not what you want, but it's what his want, he wants. There are no opinions in a kingdom. There are no opinions. There are only absolutes. And you know what I've found in my life with believers? They like his attributes, but they don't like his absolutes. They like what God can give him and bless them with. But they don't realize. It's because the absolute of making him the king of your life, you have the attributes that he gives you. Man, it's hot in here. In fact, when you really have this mentality, this is not mine, this is God's. People say this all the time. Your church agrees with my heart. Sometimes I correct them and say, it's not my church. Well, you're the pastor. I know that. It's God's church. Amen? I get real scared when I have somebody in a leadership role, and I've had this before. That's my stage and my sound booth, my children's church class. No, it's not. Your kids, they're God's. Are you hearing me this morning? And any time we get to a place where our heart is in a place that this is me, me, my, my, you have confusion that came over you. Because the only reason you're in the position that you're in is because God gave you that position. 
I, I, I catch myself all the time, and I have other people that say this, even talking about giving to the, giving the tithe, there's people that say, I'm going to go pay my tithe. Almost sounds like they're giving their mortgage check. No, I'm returning the tithe because everything that I have came from the Lord, and I'm just giving back to him what he gave to me. I got an amen from all the people that had revelation of that. So number one, this is how it, how it keeps him on the throne. Praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. This is how our sanity is restored. And this is how you get the keys back to the kingdom. Number two, God is right and his ways are just. You need to know this. God is right. No matter how you feel. I can think of people, that's not how I feel. You haven't read the word. We don't go by what we feel. That includes the part you don't like and don't understand. You can't cherry pick the word of God, the things you like and the things you don't like. Are you hearing me this morning? Let's read this together, Isaiah 55. If you've been raised in church, you know where we're going right here. But on Isaiah 55, look at this, verse 7. Let the wicked leave his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Notice here, Isaiah is actually speaking to, speaking to a wicked people. And he says, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Listen to this, verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts. But I believe this, when I come into agreement with the Lord, I can have the thoughts of God. Amen? I believe his ways can be my ways. That's why you got to keep the main thing about the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. It says, And his ways are not your ways, declares the Lord, for as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Tim Keller, one of my favorite books, it's called The Reason for God. If you haven't read it, read it. But in that book, I had to get in my library and had to pull this out of there. Tim Keller just went to be with the Lord just a couple months ago. Uh, uh, but pastor a great church in New York. And he said this. If your God never disagrees with you, you just might be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Did you bring your steel-toed boots? Leave that up there so people can really let it soak in. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Is this not the truth? I, come on, we should leave here today. God, you're right, and your ways are just, and I want the full counsel of the Lord from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. Amen. Here's the third one. So number one, I'm going to praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. Number two, God is right and his ways are just. Number three, I am going to walk in humility. I need to say this to a selfie, narcissistic world. We live in a world right now that says, you do you, boo. The only one that got that was Caleb and his friend over there. They're young enough. You've heard that before. You do you, da-boo. You, not da-boo. You do you, boo. Your kids say it. I've heard mine say it. I promise you it's around. It's called you do you, boo. No, no. Don't you do boo, boo, whatever. I got a boo-boo. <laughs> you do do-do. I don't know. No. People don't like you. People like the God inside of you. Why don't you be more like the Lord? 
I see people arguing on Facebook sometimes uh, of different things, you know, and that's what they do is cherry pick the word of God. And here's the deal. If you keep the main thing about the main thing, you'll think like the main thing. You want to be like the main thing. And he'll have a conviction on the inside of you called the Holy Spirit that you know. I don't want to even, this isn't a theological thing anymore. This is a heart thing. I'm not going to be me, boo. I'm going to be more like God. Isaiah 66 and verse 2, it says this, For my hand made all these things. How many of y'all know we serve a jealous God? He said, Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. He's saying, I did this, not you. But to this one I will look. God is looking for this one right here. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Come on and stand to your feet this morning. As I was praying about this, the Lord reminded me of a few years ago we were at a conference in Alabama. And there was two men that were up on the stage, and they have a video. This was just days before Billy Graham went to be with the Lord. And they went in, and they, they, they sat down with him, and at the end of his life, he, he had lost his vision. And he began to impart into their life different things. Billy Graham, this is what Billy Graham said. They said, do you have any regrets? And big tears got in his eyes, and he said this, you know, I still pray. I still spend time with the Lord. But what grieves my heart is I can't read his word. I can't see it. It's still in my heart, but I can't read his word. That convicted me, and that should convict people in this room, that we can see his word, but we choose not to. But one of the things that pointed out to me was they said, what would you tell a young minister? What would you tell a man? He said, I would tell him this. I would tell him to keep his face down on the ground. Because that keeps the Lord on the throne. And when your face is in the ground, it gets rid of all the distractions and gold and silver of this earth. And it makes the, this is my own words, but this is what I took. It keeps the main thing about the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. So if Billy Graham... Could you say that about, man, I wish I had my eyesight. But I believe that's wisdom for us today. That we are a society, we are a people that is blessed. Would you agree? Go to Africa. Go to Mexico. Go to places. The reason we're blessed is because we've had coins that said, in God we trust. But can I tell you? The only people that will continue in that are the people who are marked and keep the main thing about the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. 
So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.